chapter 20, verse 1. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which has brought thee out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. We've heard them. Some even have them memorized and know them, maybe even since a child. They're in books. They're on walls, scribed in plaques and printed in pictures. They have been memorized, memorialized by some and even hated by others. They've been fought over and protested, but by others prized and studied. Shunned by some, embraced by others. We call them the Ten Commandments. God actually technically did not call them commandments. He called them the Ten Words. As in a word from the Lord. Does anybody believe we need a word from the Lord today? Much more than just a list of the 10 individual words, but they were 10 uniquely divinely utterances. They were all individually a word of the Lord to us, like the prophets who would later have a word from the Lord to the people. They were divine in that God accompanied Moses' reading of them with lightning and thunder and smoke. God wrote them, the Bible says, with his own finger. And they would become a covenant between God and his people. They were messages from God that would become the superstructure, the step-by-step, daily living guidelines that they could follow. They weren't more important than the law, but in following them, they captured all the essence of God's covenant with Israel. They were full of morality, but they were much more than morality. These were 10 words of promise and covenant. Jesus said they were important. Jesus said, you should love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He said it was the first and great commandment. He said the second is likened to it, that you should love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all of the law and prophets. These 10 words of Moses hang on the truths, depend upon the truths, are fulfilled in the truths of the New Testament concept of loving God with your heart, your soul, and your mind, and loving others with the same love and intensity that you have for yourself. That these 10 words, everybody say 10 words. These 10 words work out the details of what it means to love God and love people. Four words of the Lord telling us how God wants to be loved. Six words of the Lord showing and demonstrating how we are to love one another and other people. The apostles also clearly illustrated the connection between these 10 words and God's love. Paul said, don't owe anybody anything. And if you're going to be in debt, let this be your only debt, that you're indebted to loving your brother. Owe no man anything but love one another. For this thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. If there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He said, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Paul said these 10 words are the practical living out 
of our love towards God and our love towards people. In other words, when we really love God, when we really love God, we do these things. It's just part of the culture of loving God. You don't believe me? Then believe John when he said, here's what the love of God is. I'll define it for you. That we keep his commandments. And by the way, his commandments aren't a burden. They're not hard. They're not something to bear. But when you really love God, it's easy to keep his commandments. Can anybody testify? You got to remember that when God gave these words, he was teaching his people to walk with him. He was teaching his people to live for him and have relationship with him and to serve him. They didn't most likely know how. For 400 years, 20 generations, they were surrounded and steeped by Egypt's culture. For the Paul, they were not Egyptians, but they were full of Egypt. Seems like that may be where we're at at times in this day that we live in. My question with this, with this line of series and these messages, both last week and weeks to come, are this, are we willing to accept the concept of God's love and loving his people, but unwilling to execute the steps to do so? Because relationship with God cannot be detached from our practical living. In other words, you still have to do to be. And rubber still has to meet the road. This is more than just mental ascent and thinking you're through, through yourself through a philosophy that you feel like you can agree with. You can get into a car. I told you last week. You can get into a car. You can say you're going somewhere. But until you put the key in the ignition, until you start the car, until you put it in gear and engage the transmission, until you step on that gas, you can say whatever you want to say. But honey, you are still standing still. So if you're here today and you want to walk with him, is there anybody? If you're here today and you want to live for him, is there anybody? Is, is there anybody here that wants to have relationship with him? If there's anybody here that wants to serve him, then here's what I'm going to tell you. It may be bad news. It may be good news. But loving God is going to get down into your living. It's going to get into the way that you live your life. So I say, and this is the purpose for preaching what I feel to preach. Let's go back to basics. Let's go back to where God can instruct us and say, you need to love me with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And you need to love one another like you love yourself. And this is how you do it. I'm here to tell you God's got more than just a command of doing it. He's got a command of telling you how to do it. Amen. And so today I want to go to another word. Last week we talked about worshiping idols. Today, I will take one word. I thought about for the sake of time of cutting this up, and I know somebody told me one time, probably wisdom, that said you shouldn't preach more than like five sermons in a series. I don't know how you do that with 10 words, but we're, we're feeling our way through it. I had a couple of the words I was gonna add to this one, but this one's so important. I said, no, this one needs to be all by itself. This word needs to be, this word of the Lord does not need to share the limelight with anything else because today, I want to preach to you about the word concerning his name. The word concerning his name. And the Holy Ghost is going to help us today. Lift your hands to heaven and let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. 
We ask you, Lord Jesus, to move in this house. Let your word be accomplished and let your will be accomplished. God, we invite you individually. We open our mouths and open our minds. Our mouths to declare your word is true and our minds to receive it, God, to the very specific thing that we need in our hearts. And we give you praise for it in advance in the name of Jesus. Come on, APC, clap your hands and give God praise for his word right now. He's worthy. Hallelujah. Lord bless you today. You can be seated. Thank you for standing for so long. What's in a name? I'm starting to wonder what's in a name. Anybody read baby names lately? Baby names are getting crazy. It used to be, now maybe this is just an old man, but it used to be that, you know, you had just regular names like Sally, Roger, Ben, Brad, you know, just regular names. Both kind of got, they're getting crazy these days. We're, we're naming kids after season, summer, fall, spring, and winter. Naming kids after, after, after. All kinds of things. I, I had other things come to mind. The Lord just rebuked me for that one. We, we're naming our kids, you know, in the, in the name. And I understand people, they want to be unique. And, you know, but, but it used to be. It used to be that there was thought given to it. Not just, I, I want to be different. But there was thought. You know, what does this name mean? You know, that's why I, I petitioned with my firstborn grandchildren. I said, that, his name shall be called. Bradley Craig Nave Jr., I lost. But his middle name, but here's what, you ask him, you ask him, proud papa moment, you have to forgive me. You ask him, what's your name? He said, my name is Easton Bradley Nave, the, Bradley Craig Nave the third. It actually doesn't work that way, but that's what he'll tell you. It used to be the names meant something, especially in the Bible. In the Bible, when they named some, they thought about it. It was, it was not only to name them, to give them an identity, but it was almost a prophetic utterance over them as to their nature and culture and maybe even their destiny. Today, it's crazy. I, I read somewhere, I don't even know who this guy is. I've heard of him. I, I really can't place his genre of music, but I read that rock star Frank Zappa named his older daughter Moon Unit. What in the world? And her siblings include Dweezel and Diva Muffin. Oh, there you go. What do they mean? I do not know. Elon Musk has been in the news a lot, and you ought to, I can't even pronounce his kids' names. It's like all these letters. Did you get that slide? I don't know. Did you get that slide? Maybe not. It's, it's so many. I can't even pronounce the name. So, and they can't either, so they call her X. And, and his, his other kid is called Y. So I'm not sure about what we're doing with names today, but every name seems to mean something, whether important or not, whether people count it as important or not. Some maybe remain to be seen, but I say all that to say that we have, we have gotten to the place where names have just been commonality. And unfortunately, I'm afraid it's, it's eked and it's seeped over into how we treat the name that, as the scripture said, is above every name. Let me just start off today, and maybe this is elementary, and if it is, I apologize, but I'm preaching to a lot of different people from a lot of different places and a lot of different levels. So let me just start by saying the name of the Lord means something. 
I said the name of the Lord means something. Isaiah 52 and 6 says, Therefore my people shall know my name. Therefore they shall know in that day, he spoke prophetically, I believe, to today, that I am he that does speak. Behold, it is I. Before we just came out of Christmas, and before the Son of God was born, an angel gave Joseph the name by which he was to be called. Mary and Joseph were not to just kind of pick one out of the book. He wasn't going to be called Moon Unit or something silly or something that just struck their fancy. God had a name that was going to come from heaven into their ears and out of their mouths. God chose this name to reveal himself and told them his name shall be called Jesus. It was the name that would reveal God in the flesh as Savior. For the name Jesus literally means Jehovah Savior. Jehovah our Savior. Jehovah is salvation. Christ fulfilled the meaning of that name like no other person ever could. He was God and is God manifested in the flesh in order to redeem us to himself. Isaiah 7 and 14 said that the name of the Messiah would be called Emmanuel, descriptively Emmanuel, which means God with us. And the name of Jesus literally fulfills that meaning. When we look at those two components of the name of Jesus, Jehovah and Savior, we find that Jehovah corresponds to God and Savior corresponds to with us. I'm just telling you, when you say the name of Jesus, it's not like any other name. It's not like you saying your name or my name or your spouse's name or the name of somebody at work. His name is lofty. His name is high. His name is revered. His name is above all other names. His name is holy. I, need, I think we need a baptism of the fear of the Lord today. We need somebody and all of us to realize that his name's like not like anything else. I just can't group him in my life with other things that are common. He's far above everything else. His name is holy. His name is reserved. His name does things that no other name could do in my life. There's a spiritual connection when I speak the name of Jesus. There's spiritual impartation when I speak the name of Jesus. It may sound like any other syllable in the language, but I'm telling you, hell stands up and stands at attention when a saint of God says the name of Jesus and heaven comes to your rescue when you say the name of Jesus. I'm just trying to lay a foundation today and tell you it's not just something we sing about. It's not just a lyric. It's not just a word. It's a name that describes the power of God in this world. Somebody say, I praise the name of Jesus. It's why the psalmist in 111.9 said he sent redemption unto his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and reverend is his name. Wherefore, Paul said, God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above. Everybody say above. It's above every other name. 
that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. You hear me today. The greatest name is not found in Hollywood. It's not found in Washington because every knee in Hollywood, every knee in the Midwest, every knee on the East Coast, every knee on this globe is going to bow to one name one day and it is the name of Jesus Christ. And I'm here to declare that there is power in the name of Jesus. There always has been and there is now and there always will be. And the most holy thing you can do is allow those syllables to come out of your mouth and praise and worship to him. His name is holy. His name is high. His name is worthy. Got to be careful with his name. It's not common. It's not like anything else. And so he would speak a word to his people from the onset. He would say it so they could never say he didn't. He would tell them, when it comes to my name, don't use it wrong. When it comes to my name, don't, don't, don't group it with, with other stuff. Don't use it like you just use casual conversation. He said, don't use it in vain. In other words, that means to use it lightly or frivolously or in false affirmations, or even worse, maybe the worst, profanely, using it lightly. Ask yourself, all of us today, am I guilty of using his holy name casually? Chances are, and I hope, that most here today didn't curse with his name. Probably not. Or square with his name, or profane his name. But you ever, you ever been with somebody that said, well, please excuse my language? That means they're about to cuss. I don't know if you know that or not, but they're, they're about to cuss. They're about to let it fly right there. But let me just tell you something. God doesn't excuse. God doesn't say, oh, it's okay. It's okay. Now, his grace will cover you and give you another chance. But understand this. There is nothing in the heart of God that says it's okay for you to use my name like a cuss word and use my name to curse things and use my name frivolously or casually like it's just something else. God said, I, I will not excuse that language. Or even if I am guilty of voluntarily watching or listening to somebody else, I didn't say it. They did. But for some in this world, understand the only time they will utter his name is when something bad happens or when they are surprised or when they are frustrated or they get their tax return back. That's the only time they're going to speak the name of Jesus and it will not be in worship and it will not be in a holy, reverent way. But it cannot be. Did you hear me? It's getting awful quiet and we got a bunch of cussers in here. I said it cannot be ever that the name of Jesus would be taken in vain by somebody that says, I love that name. Never can it be 
that the name of Jesus be used lightly to somebody that says, I revere that name. I serve that name. I praise that name. You better watch how you use the name of Jesus. It's holy. It's righteous. Am I preaching to somebody right now? You ought to clean up your mouth and realize only blessing and holiness ought to flow out of your mouth when you speak the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. We got to be careful. You old folks, they go understand this. But, and I'm guilty. I am guilty. The Lord convicted me. I'm just going to, listen, confession's good for the soul. O-M, don't say it. Does anybody know what that stands for? I think we all know what that stands for. I'm going to tell you, you need, that needs to get out of your text. That needs to get out of off your screens. That needs to get out of your communication. Oh, pastor, come on. That's not what we mean, but it is what you say. And God says, I care about how you say it and where you say it and how you say it. It does denote a casual approach to something that is holy and revered. We got to change. Look, look at somebody say, we got to change. Come on, tell them, say that name is holy. It's reserved for only one thing. It's the name of God and his salvation in my life. And I'm not going to use it any other way. I'm not going to speak it any other way, but the name of Jesus and holiness and worship and praise. Don't use it wrong. Look at somebody and say, don't use it wrong. But here's what I want to preach a little bit to you today. If there's a wrong way, I said, if there's a wrong way to use his name, Nathan, if there's a wrong way, if you could take his name in vain, then, and there's a wrong way, then that tells me that there's a right way to use his name. If there's a way that it can be used lightly, then there's a way that it can be used reverently. If there's a way that brings shame, then there's a way that brings glory. If there's a way that denies its power, then there's definitely a way that leverages its power. If you're going to use the name of Jesus, then use it right. The Colossians says, and whatsoever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. If you're going to use it, how about this? Use it for help. If you're going to use the name of Jesus, then use it for help. Psalm says, our help, where is it? It's in the name of the Lord who made heaven and the earth. Proverbs 18 said, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Come on, where's my quarters at? The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it and is safe. Where do you run where you're in trouble? Might I suggest that you stop running everywhere else, and you go to the name. You call on the name. Is there anybody? You didn't have anywhere else to turn. You didn't have words to even know how to pray. But you spoke. You prayed. You breathed the name of Jesus and help came running. I've come to promise you today, when you use the word of God right and you use it for help, our help will come from the Lord. Turn to somebody and say, if you're going to use it, use it for help. And how about this? How about you use it right? How about you use it for praise? How about you use it for worship? 
He said, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness. Psalm 7, I will sing to the name of the Lord most high. Praise you the Lord. Praise you the name of the Lord. Praise him, O servants of the Lord. Let them that praise the name of the Lord for he commanded and they were created. Let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is excellent and glory is above the heaven and the earth. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and somebody say it, bless his name. If you're going to use it today, I wish I'd get about five people that just bless the name of the Lord and praise the name of the Lord. Come on, it's appropriate today for you to bless his name. You can use his name when you're worshiping. You can use his name when you're praising. You can use his name if you use it right. Use it for unity. Come on, use it for unity. Jesus said this, again, I tell you, if two or three agree, if you harmonize together, if you make symphony together about whatever, anything and everything that you ask, it will come to pass and be done for them by my Father in heaven. He said, because where two or three are gathered, How? In my name. See, we can get a crowd. And we can maybe even agree on something. But if we don't gather in his name and agree on something, I'm not sure how much can be done. But Jesus said anything can be done when God's people come together and they come together in his name. They gather together in his name. He said there is something that I am drawn to. There is something that I've got to go to when I see God's people come together in his name. If you're going to use it, use it right. Use it for unity. Use it for service. You ought to serve him in his name. Jesus said himself, he said, whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ. Verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. Do you know what I found out? That doing good stuff feels good. Doesn't it? Anybody else? Doing good stuff for other people feels good. But here's what else I found out. Doing good stuff gets you tired. And man, it feels so good that first time. But then that next time, it still feels good, but maybe not quite as good. And when you get to about the fifth week of working in food bank, when you get about the fifth week of cleaning or fifth week of ministering or fifth, when you, after again and again and again, all of a sudden you're tired. And if you start getting tired and you're tired, overcomes your good, here's what I'm telling you. You may not be doing it in the name. Because when you do things in the name, it doesn't matter how tired you get. It doesn't matter how frustrated you get. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It's in the name of Jesus. If I got to do it all by myself, I'll do it in the name of Jesus. Because somebody say, use it right. Use it for service. Now, I'm going to tell you this. If you're going to use the name of Jesus, let's use it. Let's use it right. Let's use it for leverage. Let's, let's use it for authority. Let's use it for protection. Let's use it for healing. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They will cast out devils. 
they'll speak with new tongues. If they take up serpents and drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Everybody said, those that believe. Do you know that when you begin to walk with the Lord, when you repent of your sins and you're baptized in the name, that's above every name, and we'll talk about that. When you, when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, that the same God that controlled devils in the, Old te- in, in the Bible times and the New Testament is the same God that takes up residency in your heart that you can speak to spirits and devils if you have to and command them to go in Jesus' name. Did you know the Bible tells you that as a believer that you can lay hands on the sick and it doesn't take the pastor and it doesn't take a preacher but a believer can lay hands on the sick and the Bible declares they shall recover did you know that even if you get in trouble and you get in a mess that there's a God and a name that'll protect you did you know that that's at your disposal authority authority changes everything Spiritual authority changes everything. The believer has spiritual authority. I would tell you that more powerful than the president, more powerful than any global leader is a saint of God that knows how to walk in the spirit and command the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. Because as far as I know, I've never known a president to cast out a devil, but I'm telling you a saint of God can. I've never known a president to lay hands on somebody and they be healed, but the Bible says a believer can. I'm just telling you. Come on, somebody clap your hands. Authority. Well, Pastor, you don't know that sounds big. That sounds big. It is big. It's very big. It's as big as a giant in the valley of Elah facing a little boy that doesn't have a weapon that is suitable to beat a giant. It's really big. But that same little boy had something the giant didn't know about and everybody else had forgotten about. He said, you're coming to me with all that stuff, but let me just tell you something. I've got something more powerful than all that stuff. Hallelujah. Y'all better just do something because I'm about ready to explode up here. Listen, I'm just telling you, this world is trying to intimidate us and tell us that somehow they've got power over what's going to go on. I'm telling you, the devil is a liar. I don't come against any falsehood or any, anything going on in this world. Listen, if it's just me, then we'll fail. If it's just you, then we'll fail. But there is something in our arsenal that is greater than anything in this world. David said, I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. Come on, anybody believe there's power and authority in the name of the Lord? There's protection in his name. Sister Rose, I believe his name covers me. Wherever I go, I believe his name just covers me. It's not something I even have to think about. His name covers me. I ain't looking for snakes to pick up. Let me just be clear. I hate snakes. Don't like them. They represent the devil. God said he made him a serpent. Okay, now I think that's figured in everything, but look, if God's going to use a snake to describe Satan, I don't like him. I don't like snakes. I don't want to look him at at the zoo. 
If you call me out in the field and say, hey, come look at this snake, I'm going to say, nay, nay. <laughs> you go look at it yourself. I got, a, I got a pastor friend. He hunts snakes. He's nuts. I ain't hunting them. I ain't looking for them. We ain't handle them. We ain't worship with them. You miss the point if you think that's what that's about. Jesus was saying, look, a saint of God, a believer, they could walk into situations where things were meant for their harm, where things were meant to destroy them, where things were meant to even physically harm them, but they won't be harmed because the name covers them. I think about Apostle Paul. All he was trying to do was stoop down and build a fire, and a snake latched on to his hand. But what did he do? He shook it off into the fire, and it became a testimony to everybody around him. What should have killed him couldn't kill him because because the name of God was on him. I wonder if there's some snakes. I wonder if there's some things that came to harm you today that you're willing to say it ain't nothing but a thing. I'm covered. I'm covered by the by the name of Jesus. Come on, I need somebody that's covered by the name of Jesus. I need you to stand to your feet for a minute. I need somebody that shook off some stuff. Testify, I should be dead. I should be in my grave. I should be hurt. I sure shouldn't be here. But the name, the name, the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. These signs shall follow. Then they believe in my name, they'll have authority. In my name, they'll have protection. Watch now. In my name, they will heal. They will lay hands, and healing will happen. I asked for permission for this. There was Christy sitting right over here. I had to ask her and make sure she's okay. I wouldn't embarrass her for a million dollars. But lately, she came to my wife and I and told her, "said I've got a I've got a diagnosis of a disease, of a, of a disease, and it is chronic. And it's very, it was very, it's very serious. One. It's not your average whatever. It's serious, potentially life threatening, and definitely chronic. For there's going to change the way she lived the rest of her life. And she came just this week. She came and told me, said, Pastor." I started praying. And here's what she prayed. Listen to this. This is is an awesome prayer. I prayed that the Lord would do something in my body that would confuse and confound the doctors. Now, she said when when they diagnosed her, and I don't know the, the science behind this, but when they diagnosed her, there were levels of things in her blood that were like up here in the in the hundreds of thousands. And when they went to test, just common, it wasn't they were just getting ready to treat and do things like that. And they went to test and they got a test back, and instead of hundreds of thousands, it was seventy thousand. And the doctor looked at her, if I'm lying, I'm dying, right? And said, I've never seen this before. She said, do you think it could be God? He said, well, I've never seen this before. And if I, if I got the story right, she said, can we make a deal between you and I? That you give me, I don't remember how much it was, three weeks, three months, three something, I remember. If you just give us a little time, and if this goes down again, would you believe that God is doing a miracle in my body? He's agreed right now. We've got a testimony that's founded on the word of God. 
He's already doing it. I said, he's already doing it. Annette, Annette, lay your hands on her in the name of Jesus. Let there be healing that flows through her body. Woo! Now, while she's praying there, listen to me. I want everybody to stand real quick. The Lord told me to do this. I really feel this. Right now, you don't need a prayer line. God's about to heal somebody in Jesus' name, in his powerful name. You don't need a prayer line. You just need a believer near you. I said, you just need a believer that's near you. You need somebody that knows how to call in the name of Jesus. Everybody put your hands down. If you've got a chronic or an illness in your body, I want you to raise your hand. Come on, leave them out as high as you can. Come on, I need a believer. Don't leave your seats. Don't go anywhere. There's believers all around you. The Bible says, just lay hands on them. And we're going to pray the prayer of faith. And God's going to heal the sick in mass right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, if their hands are up, everybody else put your hands down. If their hands are up, I want a hand laid on everybody that's got hands up right now. Come on, very quickly, very quickly. Come on, God's about to do it right now. By the authority of the word of the Lord. Simply by what you have stated in your word and said that came out of your lips, Lord. We declare the healing of God in these bodies. We lay hands on the sick. And Lord, according to the word, we declare them to recover. Let there be recovery right now in the name of Jesus. Let everybody recover. Let everybody be healed. Let every sickness be destroyed. Let every disease be diminished and destroyed in the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it, that's it, that's it right there. That's all it is, that's all it is. In faith we declare it, in Jesus' name it's done. In the name of Jesus it's done. In the name of Jesus it's done. In the name of Jesus it's done. Clap your hands all over this place. Come on, give God praise. Somebody praise that name. Come on, I'll give you 30 seconds. If God healed you, praise him for it. Come on, I need somebody to testify. If he healed you, praise him for it. I praise the healing name of Jesus. Remain standing, remain standing. There's a wrong way to use his name, but there's a right way. Last but not least, if you're going to use the name of Jesus, use it right. Use it in repentance and use it in remission. The Bible said that Jesus spoke. This wasn't a, a prophet speaking for him. It wasn't an apostle reinforcing his truth or things they had been taught. Jesus said repentance and remission of sins is going to be preached in my name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So Peter did what he knew to do. 
He stood up on the day of Pentecost and he said, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I am so thankful for the four that went down in Jesus' name last week. I'm so thankful for the many that went down in Jesus' name in 2022 and the many that are gonna go down in Jesus' name in 2023. But that name was meant for repentance and remission and it was tied to something else that was on the tail end of your sins being vanquished from you as far as the east is from the west. He promised the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm just gonna make sure everybody understands. I'm glad you're baptized in his name, but you need the Holy Ghost too. That's a gift of God. Don't let go until the Holy Ghost comes, because it's the Holy Ghost that the name bears witness with in your house, in your mind, and in your life. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus, you don't need to leave this place until you're baptized. Hallelujah. Man, I just felt the Lord told me to hit baptism strong because somebody wants to be baptized in Jesus' name. Here's what he told me to tell you. He told me to tell you that the water is warm. I said the water's warm. I'm not being figured. It's warm. You don't have to worry about that. I didn't bring any clothes. We got clothes, nice ones, new ones, clean ones. You can put them on with a robe over it and we'll baptize you in Jesus' name. There is absolutely no reason for anybody to leave this place without the name of Jesus applied to their life. And I need somebody to keep on clapping and bear witness right now. The Holy Ghost is in here. I said the... The Holy Ghost is in this house. The Holy Ghost is in this house. It's an easy day to receive the Holy Ghost. It's an easy day for your life to be changed. It's an easy day for the inward man to be renewed. So listen to me. Let's do something in Jesus' name. Let's do something today in the name that's above every day. Let's serve in that name. Let's come together in that name. Let's worship in that name. Let's take authority in that name. Let's pray in that name. And somebody get baptized in the name of Jesus. Come on, leave your seat. Leave your seat right now. Don't stay, child. Don't stay locked up in your seat today. Don't stay locked up in your seat today. There's power in the name of Jesus. When you come together and begin to worship, Come on, something's going to happen in this altar service. 